This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, know that I know. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Solve for Why vlogcast. This is episode number 38. As always, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Christian Soto, and we're guest-free today, buddy. It's just you and me here on the ones and twos. It's a lonely night. It's a lonely night in the desert. Where, where, where are you at? A training combine basement moving equipment for uh, the NFL scouts? Is that is that what's happening? I know you never made it to the MLB combine, but some of us have. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Dominicans... Yeah, well, you know, that's because they start getting scouted when they're like three. That part is true. Yeah. I have been there. Yeah, I didn't, there. I didn't have that luxury. <laughs> Usually the Dodgers. It's the Dodgers that come out early. They're smart. They, they see you, bro. Yeah, they're smart. They see you with the, with the game. They, they, they come out early. They they host like camps, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Host camps. They give cleats away for free. Cleats and contracts. That's called <laughs> cleats and contracts. There's a there's a famous quote. I'm probably butchering it, but uh, Vladdy was getting interviewed, and they asked him why he's such a free swinger, like why he chases so many bad balls and why he considers himself such a bad ball hitter. And he like just stone cold in Spanish looks at the woman and go, or the the reporter and goes, uh, "You can't get off the island by walking." It's true. <laughs> it's true. You you can't you home run off the island. There's yeah. no other way. Yeah. You got to hit the ball out of the park. That's how you get out. It ain't no change-ups getting you out of the island either. You got to throw hard. I'm with that. You gotta throw and you got to hit home run. That's, <laughs> that's it. That's it. I mean, bro, DR is easy, bro. It's like long ball gets the ladies, long ball gets the citizenship. It's easy work, mm-hmm. you know? All right. Well, we have a fucking – oh, damn. Coming in, coming in hard today. We have a nice show, man. Uh, uh, I saw – it's not out yet. I was uh, those rumors of you playing high stakes, no limit hold'em on games where the cameras are rolling with very prominent players, allegedly some of the top no limit players of all time. But you played. I, I, I heard. I'm not even sure we're supposed to talk about this stuff. But like you know, there, you know, there will be a show coming up. I don't know. There was some sneak peeks out there. Um, and from what I saw, the lineup was one that I'm not going to miss. It was Daniel Negroner, Dan Smith, Scott Seaver, who we haven't seen in a long time uh, in terms of Nolan Holden. We've seen him like, you know, playing mixed games and stuff in Bobby's room. Uh, MJ, who hasn't played on television, like, you know, any big known television, but has been coaching Daniel for some time. So that's going to be interesting to watch you. And then one other player that I'm, 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 I'm not sure who it is yet. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited to see. And two other people, Jake Daniels and Zach frenzy were the other two. Okay. So Jake, that's Jake graced us with his presence, a solid hour and 20 minutes late. No big deal. You know, just rolling whenever the fuck you feel like it. Man, I want to be that guy, you know, because that guy is just like walking around, like no care in the world. He probably went to the Gucci store beforehand. No, he, went to hang- he was just golfing on Shadow. No big deal. You know, couldn't quite make it. Got caught up on the back nine. 
And he's like, I, I got to hit this putt real quick before I go to play on Poker Go. Yeah. Yeah. I need that. I need that life. Anyway, okay, so you were there. How how how, how did you, you know, people are going to ask, how'd you end up? Uh, the game was really good. I, I didn't have the best seat. I had Dan, MJ, and Seaver to my immediate left with Negranu, Zach, and uh, Jake to my immediate right. Um, kind of a catch-22. Have the There's more pros and cons. There's pros yeah, and cons, right? Have the more recreational players to my right. Have the the more elite pros to my left. Probably would rather have it in the inverse, but kind of is what it is. Um, I did well. I ended up winning about a buy-in. I think I was, I think I won like forty-two to forty-five k, something like that. Uh, played two four about a buy-in. 42k what, we playing, what stakes for these games we were playing 2-4 uh suppose for what 204 no limit oh okay but yeah I, I think that like you know there's becoming a real separation between poker after dark and high stakes poker now where 200 400 mm. it's like the barrier so like poker after dark will be the the lesser stakes like landon's playing tomorrow uh in a 5100 lineup and all the other lineups ran this week were 5100 uh, ours was the biggest game they ran. Um, I think they ran five days in a row, maybe. Uh, Helmuth had a set or had a you know the Helmuth game or, or whatever in there uh, with Feldman and a few others. Um, but I think in general, Poker After Dark is probably going to be more like fifty-one-one-two uh, for the most part, and then high stakes poker will be like you know two-four plus 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 plus. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good way to do it, right? It's like it's also like a nice. How do I say this? Like graduating stage. Yeah. Like, you know, like for the people like, you know, like Landon, me, or like those people that like really can't just like fire off three hundred thousand in the high stakes poker, right? Like like it's like, oh, we could play some fifty one hundred. The and then you kind of, you know, for poker go, it's a nice place where they can curate talent, right? It's like, mm -hmm. oh, like let's see who we move up to high stakes poker. And like maybe like begin to showcase kind of thing, you know. And I think it's a really good idea. I, I I'm enjoying. I watched their last episode with uh, the Ilias, I believe, uh, the person that was yeah. right next to Landon. Mm -hmm. um, he was a really nice player to watch. He was cool. I've never seen him before, uh, but he was he was like really fun. He set like a a cool trap with like Jax versus Alan Richardson, where Alan Richardson was like, "Oh, I'll show you one," and then he's like, five more." And it was like, and then Alan <laughs> Richardson was like. Five more what? <laughs> because Alan was like, you got to pay 400 to see one card. And he's like, five more. He's like, what do you mean? I already said 400. He's like, nah, bro, five more thousand. I'm like, all right, I like this dude. Like, this dude's kind of cool. But yeah, I mean, I I'm excited to see it. Okay, I'm not. I'm sure you're not allowed to really, like, are you allowed to divulge, like, anything that happened? Or, like, maybe, like, just, like, your overall tone on the game? How did you feel? Yeah, I mean... I, I, don't, I don't think that they cared that much. Like, it's not like we signed NDAs or anything along those lines. Um, as far as spoilers go, like, yeah, I'm not going to dig in too much. There was some wild play. Uh, Daniel still stuck in the heads up streets for sure, playing some fucking trashy ass hands pretty aggressively. Uh, he put in a squeeze four ways out of the big blind with seven high unsuited, which, you know. Well, not not that incentivized, just sailed it in there. Um, Seaver is one of the most creative humans I've ever met. He's so enjoyable to play with. Uh, his banter is great. And he definitely found a couple pretty creative sizings and uh, creative bluff spots, which were nice. Um, I don't know. I, I felt 
I played pretty well. I missed one really critical bluff catch uh, when we doubled this. So we doubled the stakes the last hour at 400, 800. Uh, I played a pot versus Dan Smith. A little bit too loose pre, but uh, kind of, nah, whatever. Uh, and I ended up flopping a flush draw, turning a pair, and surrendering to uh, a bet bet jam um, for one SPR on river. And I think just because, you know, we're playing bigger and stacked up is more like 50 bigs than 100. Uh, it's almost certainly a stack off spot. I haven't ran it yet, but I'm pretty confident that I just fucked up. Um, but it's okay. It all worked out in the long run. The 400-800 was very good to me uh, when we did play a little bit bigger at the end. I held when I needed to help. You know you know what I'm saying? You know, it's like... So you were, you were stuck and then was unstuck? I was, yeah, I was literally winning the entire game between like 10 and 20. And then we bumped it up to 4-8, got stuck 30 immediately, and then ended up winning like, you know, 42 or whatever. Yeah, you know, an hour a swing of $100,000. Bro, it's crazy. I, I uh, So after Feldman and Helmuth played the next day, they came to Aria and uh, just like ran uh, the same game. Not Helmuth, just, only Feldman was the only one to come. And then uh, Julie came later. Um, but we were playing 51 there. And I was just winning all night, just like up. 30k all night long uh games playing way too big for 50 100 for sure and uh my man jared blesnick was in the game and i just i just know that he's out of line all the fucking time and i had direct position on him so i was just like i'm it's it's seven o'clock in the morning we've been playing for 10 hours i'm about he's sitting 100k deep i'm 100k i'm like i'm about to win all the money and so i punt off 30k bluffing him (laughs) Hmm. which which failed uh and i just remember it was like eight o'clock in the morning i was getting pretty tired i was down like i don't know ten thousand or something like that maybe like 8k and i just went to the bathroom i was like all right i'm gonna splash some water on my face and like if i can't find it in me to come back in battle i'm just gonna go home splash a little water on my face start walking back i was like all right i think i have a solid hour in me let's try to you know make a reasonable night out of this and uh call it and i come back to kings in the big blind um julie opens to 300 blesnick calls the small blind i squeeze the 15 she folds he calls and we're like i don't know 90 ish effective give or take 80 effective maybe um so the pot is like 3400 15k yeah so the pot's like 3400 comes uh jack of hearts nine of diamonds three of diamonds and i have red kings uh he checks I go big. I bet twenty six into thirty four. Call called out of position. Yeah, yeah. I like Jack. Yeah, nice. nah, he's he's hood. Um, so Jack nine three, uh, nine three of diamonds. He checks. I bet uh, twenty six into thirty four. He calls. Turn yeah. turn is the four of spades, and he Very just nice. he just leads six k. <laughs> yeah. So he just like okay. leads pot on a total brick and i'm just like very confused we're at like you know seven spr just way too deep and i'm just fixing to play a big one uh i think standard protocol here is the call but again you're just never facing a pot size lead on a brick so like there is no standard protocol anymore i don't think kind of out the window uh so i raised to 20 20 uh he calls so now there's like 40 eight in the pot give or take uh river is the beautiful king of clubs don't know where that card <laughs> fell from 
Wow, just the stone nuts. Yeah, and we're like one and a half SPR. So I think we're like 65 effective. There's like 48 in the pot. He checks. Right. Unlikely he has queen 10 here, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it's a weird hand to turn donk for such a large size with. I'm almost certain he has showdown value type of holding. Um, right, so the board is now jack nine, four, six. Four, three. King. Oh, sorry, four, three. King with the front door missing. Yeah, and... The best I could guess is that he either has like a jack and a flush draw that he didn't want to lose out on value for because he expected me to check back the turn a lot um, or possibly like a four and a flush draw. But that seems to make less sense if he has like four or five of diamonds or ace four of diamonds, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that I'm going for value on the king. Uh, <laughs> basically, I just like arrived at the fact that it seemed pretty unlikely I could get called if I shove. Um he just doesn't right. seem to be strong enough unless he has like a weirdly played set. So I end up betting uh, 30 into 48 and he just like beats me in the pot. <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe I could have gotten caught if I shove. Uh, wow. Yes, he has a, I don't even know. Why don't I don't know, man. He got asked like four or five times about the hand. He claimed that he had ace king. He claimed that he had uh, like I needed the king. He said that multiple times. So like I, I don't know what the fuck he had. Uh my best guess is still I guess there's a chance there's a chance he might have needed maybe at like six four. What or whatever what was it what was it? The bottom two cards? Four three. Yeah, like the four three suited. Yeah, maybe, but I mean I don't know. Like what the, what isn't happy to just three bet the turn after getting raised? <laughs> so yeah, I couldn't figure it out. But ended up booking a big win. I'm on a nice little uptick, baby. I've I've been playing fifty a hundred for the last two weeks. I'm up like quarter million. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Live poker. Live poker is back. It is Live poker back. back. All right. So you made an announcement today. I saw on Insta no, not Instagram, on Twitter. Mm -hmm. About a course allegedly coming out where like people go on for like multiple weeks and stuff and you teach them and then they like leave their house or maybe they don't. Um like they call it homeschool or something. Yeah, it's going to be five weeks long, three days a week. Uh, it's going to be somewhat similar to the way that we've structured it in the past, but I think it will be a little bit more comprehensive and a lot more practical. Um, so we're going to kind of get rid of all the tedious math. And, you know, basically, like, when when push came to shove and we really asked, like, what's the most that people are getting out of homeschool? It was never that they get super sharp at can. Uh, being able to calculate pot odds and minimum defense frequencies and stuff like that. So that stuff will still be mentioned, but I don't think we need to devote entire classes to it. Um, because really, and truthfully, all of that underlying math is just what drives the chaos of, of poker. Understanding it deeply is helpful, but it's not necessary in order to implement real strategies. Um, so the attempt this time will be to kind of introduce all of that math and then bundle it into practical strategies that start with very broad strokes and end with something um, a lot more specific or granular, if you will, kind of zoomed in at, at specific spots and formations. What's your lesson on? Uh, so week one, I'm just introducing um, practical game theory principles and how to uh, build foundational strategies out of that so what that means is we'll talk a lot about the underlying math and the investment strategies that go into poker so things like pot odds mdf bluffing frequencies uh ratios etc um 
equity thresholds, all of that stuff will be introduced. Uh, from there, we'll start to examine, um, you know, constructions, uh, range analysis, range construction posts, all of this stuff at a very zoomed out level, right? Nothing very specific. We're just kind of looking at the, the generic aspect of what drives the decision-making process. So my job in week one is to lay the groundwork for how to think about spots. Um, week two will then be Hunt, and his main focus will be demonstrating why those foundational um, game theory principles are applicable in real time through data. So he'll be introducing a lot of um, post-flop scripts that he ran, where he can kind of demonstrate, uh, you know, single raise pot, three bet pot, things of that nature, what textures we are more aggressive on, what textures we're less aggressive on, um, you know, basically in, in a nutshell, demonstrating advantages. Uh, he'll also demonstrate the importance of preflop construction, where the advantages come from there in formations, position, uh, single raise versus three bet pots, et cetera. Um, week three, we will have a special coach, uh, a guest, if you will. Nick Marchington will be joining us that week. And what he'll be doing is taking all the data that Matt introduces in week two and distilling it down into practical applications. So he'll be, you know, kind of clustering a lot of the aggressive spots and demonstrating how to construct a CBET strategy on those types of boards. Uh, he'll be bucketing a lot of the more defensive boards and demonstrating how we can navigate our way to the river profitably in those scenarios. Week four will then be Landon who's going to get really granular. Um, he's going to be examining a multitude of spots, single raise pots in position, single raise pots out of position, three bet pots in position, out of position. He'll be looking through the lens of both the aggressor and the defender. Um, so he'll really be narrowing things down to, look, you're in this exact formation uh, as the preflop aggressor in a single raise pot, and this is what our strategy is going to look like. And then you got the, you got the, the toughest job of them all, man. You need to take all of that. And you need to break it down into a winning mid-stakes live strategy. No, nah, all I'm going to tell them is like, okay, you guys know all the defenses, right? Now, when you open King Jack suited and they three bet you, you just got to fold it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that all makes sense. That's I mean, all good. Like, yeah. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby is like, you know, Bobby's like 65 and he has ace king. He hasn't three bet in three years. So, uh, you know, King Jack suited. Yeah, you're supposed to format it twenty percent of the time. You know, but you should just fold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that that really is what it is, right? It's it's you're going to be able to add the context of uh, in-game deviations based upon how exploitative the live environment is. So I think it's really important for us to lay out uh, what equilibrium strategies look like in a vacuum and then you provide a nice layer of context where it's like okay now that we understand how the game is supposed to be played let's take a look at how it's practically being played in the games that you're in and how we can go about attacking all the mistakes that our opponents are making all right the wsop main event and all of its bracelet events that will be televised will no longer be on espn correct there's a new era it is now on CBS Sports. Their their Twitter handle is pretty gangster too. It says CBS Sports Gang. Is that the real CBS Sports Twitter handle? They're a gang. That's a good question, actually. <laughs> Could you imagine if they just like missed, <laughs> like accidentally tagged the wrong one? I, I I suppose that happens. CBS Sports Gang. All right, whatever. Um. Anyway, CBS stealing all the fucking talent. 
You know, they stole, you know, half of cold pizza. Did and they? Yeah, it was uh, it was Stephen A. Smith and the other dude. They they took that dude. No, 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 he's on Fox. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. They're all kind of the same to me. It's all a blur. If it's not ESPN, it's something else. Yeah, it's true. No, no, no shots fired, but just saying. Anyway, no, it's really CBS Sports Gang. But this is their PR. Hmm. So they that's their PR firm. Man, I want a I want a PR firm that's a gang. It's like here, go talk to the Crips. Like, like what? Anyway, I don't think that's what so, they're trying to accomplish with that name. I mean, Dominicans don't mess with the Crips any better. But I don't want I don't want to start any problems. Anyway, they 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 move away from ESPN. Interesting. I mean, I grew up watching ESPN with the main event, and I kind of want to go back and and kind of give the, the the way things have changed over the years, right? So initially, from what I remember, obviously I'm not, like I am a student of the history of the game, but I wasn't around for that long before, right? So I remember in the beginning, WSOP actually paid ESPN to broadcast uh, the main event, if I'm not mistaken, right? Maybe, I, I honestly, I, I'm not familiar enough with like the way their contracts were worked out. I know a lot's changed because like now it's a three-way relationship, right? It's WSOP has a relationship with Poker Go and then Poker Go has a relationship with whoever is broadcasting. Mm. Um, so I think like maybe it's like this triangle license where Poker Go buys the, the licensing of WSOP and then sells that licensing to whatever uh, network chooses to air it. Uh, I, I guess I, I don't really know enough. It's the Shark Tank of content. It's something. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it, it's complicated for sure. They got Mr. Wonderful doing all the licensing deals up in here. They got yeah. that's what's really happening, man. Carrie Cat is Mr. Wonderful at poker. Yeah, he's out doing all the moves. That's he's, true. He got all the licensing deals. And he, he does have all the, all the licenses. He has poker after dark, yeah. high stakes poker, WSOP footage, WPT footage. Like he's just archiving everything. Yeah, he's got the licenses, man. He's Mr. Wonderful, mm -hmm. Mr. Wonderful poker. Okay, so. Do we care? Is this is this something we care about? I mean, I do want to go back a little bit and say, like, okay, then from there, before before we answer, do we care? It was initially when I first started, we had like the entire seven days of main event coverage: day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven. They had a onslaught of characters, right? They kind of like tried to follow the big names and then added like a couple people that are barking and sure. then a couple other people, you know, I know who you're talking about. Nobody will ever forget that guy. <laughs> no, they added a couple people. Him and Havad Khan. Yeah. Yeah. They added the, the dude with the white tank top, you yep. know, that had like a, you know what I'm talking about. These guys are famous forever. It's true. Right? It's very true. Yeah. And then we went into a little, in the more recent years, we went into a different era where it was more like, day 4.5 and on yeah covered yeah i think they did um, like sort of what wpt does now where they kind of like bundled the first three days uh mm -hmm. into like a highlight reel and then they just like let off day four coverage with that highlight reel i know this yeah. for sure is true because i think it was like 2018 maybe was that the year we did results may vary yeah um yeah so it was 2018 i was chip leader all of day one and most of day two and when the coverage finally rolled out, I don't know if anything was even mentioned about me except maybe my exit walk. Because <laughs> I didn't even yeah. cash. I ended up bubbling. 
Okay, so now we're going into the era of CBS Sports. A lot of talk of like, are they keeping, are they keeping, uh, you know, the original commentators, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or are they moving away? You know, a lot of the new school players are, are have been asking for a, a, a different voice. Mm-hmm. I personally am so used to that voice, and I think those voices are legendary. I would like to keep them as long as they stay around. And then also the other question is how many days are we going to cover and what kind of differences will we see? And do we even care that it's on a different platform? So let's let's kind of address those questions. Yeah, I'm interested most, first and foremost, about Lon and Norm, because my understanding is that they were contracted by ESPN, but I could be wrong about that. It could be one of those things where ESPN kind of uh, foregoes everything to PokerGo since they're handling all the production. Um, in any event, I don't know if they are independent contractors. I don't know if ESPN owns their rights uh, or how that works. But I, like you, um, you know, I'm very nostalgic around the WSOP. And I think that much like having Gabe and um, I never remember the other guy for high stakes poker, much like having them as the commentators because it just feels right, much like having Ali work poker after dark alone because it's the way the product's always been. I do kind of feel like Lon and Norm are staple to uh, WSOP coverage. But to that end, you know, if we end up with Ali and Shulman, I don't think the poker community is going to be too upset about that. Uh, I know Jamie is probably going to be involved in some capacity again as well, or at least I th- I would think so. I don't know. Uh, I shouldn't say things with such certainty because I obviously have no idea what the plans are. But yeah, I, if, if they turn the page, I would imagine it'll be familiar faces that we've seen in the commentary booth in the past. Uh, you know, there's only been a handful of people who've done WSOP main event coverage in the last decade that wasn't Lon and Norm. And, you know, it's a short yeah. list. I think it's just like uh, Antonio, Helmuth, Negranu, Olivier, Jamie. I did a day, Ali, Shulman, and that might be it, maybe. Maybe some Tuck, Tuckman ever do anything like that? I think he no. only worked the break desk, but I could be very wrong. Yeah, Kara Scott worked the break desk. Maybe some Maria Ho? Yeah, maybe Maria. Oh, she definitely worked the break desk too, for sure. Yeah. yeah, so like we're talking about, you know, a list of 10 people at most outside yeah. of Lana Norm who have had their hand on WSOP coverage. I don't know if they're going to look to expand outside that circle, if they're going to draw from it, or if they're just going to keep things status quo and uh, give us the product that we're kind of accustomed to. The name is AJ Benza. AJ, yeah. I kept wanting to say Andrew. That was, uh, maybe his real name is Andrew. So do we do we care? I, I feel like I care a little bit, but like I understand. I have a bad perspective of this because ESPN, to me, hasn't been the industry leader for quite some time. Um, and to be fair, I don't think that there is an industry leader right now, right? Like I don't look to Fox Sports. I don't look to NBC Sports or CBS or anything else. When I was a kid growing up, it was only ESPN, right? Like that was just it. I was watching baseball tonight every night. I watched SportsCenter religiously. Uh, You know, I was just glued and tuned into that channel 24-7, the same way I was with MTV. But much like MTV, it's, it's been diluted by just the way that television has moved in the last decade, decade and a half, two decades, whatever you want to say. Um, our attention spans are lower. We have content available to us at our fingertips 24-7 through many other means. You know, the fact of the matter is it doesn't really matter what platform this was going to be on. It's just not going to get the eyeballs it used to. I, I think Andre was telling me that like one of the most watched shows 
of all of Q1 in 2021 was uh, a pundit on Fox News or CBS or sorry, CNN or one of them, whatever. Yeah, it was Rachel Maddow. And uh, I think that like her peak viewership was like 2.8 million views, which is nothing. You know, it's 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 like right. that, that used to be a Tuesday morning for, uh, you know, whatever the, the, the morning shows are on your regular network TV. So, yeah, television just doesn't move the needle anymore. I think what's right. more interesting is uh, what Poker Go chooses to do to broaden that that circle, right? Like, is there going to be a paywall that people have to jump through in order to watch live streams? Because that's a problem. Is there going to be uh, a secondary content streaming service they have to go through like they did in years past when they partnered with CBS Sports? Uh, I don't know if you remember that, but like they had all the, yes. the lead-up events. And you mm -hmm. had to not just have a PokerGo account, but also a CBS Sports account. So, like, you know, making people jump through hoops to watch content is a real problem. Uh, the better they're able to streamline that service, I think the the more popular this will be. And by my understanding, they're covering a ton of events this, this time around. Talking about covering events, PokerGo did announce today the PokerGo Tour. Mm -hmm. And that was featured by a nice photo of Maury. Maury's been around for as long as... Maury's been around poker longer than I've maybe been alive. For sure. Um, and obviously a staple of the community. I'm glad to see him leading this. Um, there's a couple of... I have a couple of critiques, which... Whatever. I, I, I think the first place prize is kind of small in comparison to like the whole... Like how many buy-ins there are and like how what, what do you mean by first place prize so okay so the way this works is like it, it, it's just like imagine this being like a leaderboard mm -hmm. uh and let's say you play the poker masters <clears throat> the super high roller bowl you play a heads up tournament that they are going to announce now as well um and you know these tournaments are you know 100k you know, 25Ks, all this stuff. First place, if I read this correctly, is $100,000 and a trophy. Which they've done this in the past. Um, I, I know, I think it was 2019, Sovereign won this. But I think it's, I think, uh, I could be wrong. I think they also free roll your first buy-in into the following year's tour, which is worth a lot if that's the case. Okay. But I may be speaking out of turn. That may have been something they did in the past or maybe, no, you know what? Maybe they gave you, I don't know, man. I honestly don't remember. I, I know that there were some other ancillary benefits. I don't know if it was no rake for a year or if they gave you your first buy into certain events or what, what the case may be. Um, okay. Let's, let's, let's play the game of it's a hundred K. Okay. And then let's, and then let's move from there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Is a hundred K cash prize. Is it moving the needle for anyone? How many events on average do you think this is? Probably 30. So we're looking at the Super High Roller Bowl, the Poker Masters. Masters is um, like, what, 10 events? Like 10, 10 events, maybe? Yeah. Um, and there's a heads up. There's going to be a heads up one. And then, of course, like whatever their like major, you know, tours are. Yeah, yeah. Are, are, are the ones, right? So. Yeah, I think it's about, many, I think it's like high, 30 it's like events, right? Three or four Super High Roller Bowls. Well, um, I don't know. I mean, we. I guess like that's unclear how many of those they're going to schedule. But yeah, let's assume that there's three of those, the heads up uh, that they're bringing back, 
uh, Poker Masters, which I think is like 10 events maybe. Uh, and then the US Poker Open, which also I think is like 10 events. So you're probably talking like 30 events. And the average okay, rate... Okay, so there's also now a Poker Go Cup. Oh, yeah, yeah, is, right. So it's the U.S. Poker Open. Mm -hmm. It is the Poker Go Cup, which is new. It's, okay. It features 100K No Limit Hold'em main event. Yep. 100K buy-in, uh, as well as, I assume, uh, it, it is a, a slew of eight events, with the highlight being the 100K. So we assume it'll be somewhere between 10Ks and 25Ks. Yeah. The Poker Go Heads Up Championship doesn't really give up like the buy-in, but we have to assume it's going to be a minimum of a 10K, 25K, right? I would, I would assume bigger. Right. Maybe maybe bigger, 50K? 50, 100. Right? I mean, if it's only one event, I would always, almost always assume those feature events are very large. Yeah. The Poker Masters, which is a fan favorite, is one of my favorite events for sure. Mm -hmm. um, it's a 12-event series. We've, we've been accustomed to that one, you know, with Ali winning it famously. And the Super High Roller Bowl. But they only talk about one this time. Okay. Uh, which is a three-day event. We know that one. That's the one you final tabled before. Yeah. It's a 300K buy-in. Uh, and this time it'll be September 26th, Berkey. So, you know, mark the calendar. I'm out. Uh, okay, yeah. So we're talking about 32 events with potential other uh, super high rollables added maybe. Um, mm -hmm. And the average buy-in sounds like it's probably going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of like, I don't know, 70K, give or take. So, yeah, I mean, you're yeah. talking about this 100K representing a roughly rake back. Do we think it's worth yeah. rake back? And it's also worth noting that if you register these events on time, you play the first bullet rake free. So it is kind of rake back plus uh, in, in a certain way. But, yeah, I mean, you know, this. Okay. if this I mean, were an I mean, online site, we wouldn't think ill of it, right? No, 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 of course not. Of course not. But I'm only saying it because it's like, okay, I, I see we, you know, they're trying to make a big splash, mm -hmm. right? And to me, like, the first big splash is usually like, okay, like, we're going to take a loss leader here. Yeah. Um, and, and I was at least expecting, oh, I don't know the business of it, right? Like, we're, we're just, kind of, we're, like, we're critiquers, right? Like, we're here to, like, either praise or critique. And I like the idea. Yeah. Of course. I, I like the idea. But to me, I'm like, oh, like, this would have been sick if it was, like, first place was, like, a million. Half million or yeah. a million something you know something that's like gonna stick where it's like yo you have to play this like call up all your backers and sell your bitcoin like do whatever you got to do because if you have an edge you better fire everything yeah. you know what i mean but it's like for the average person that wasn't really thinking about playing all these events like they're probably not going to play it for an additional 100k so that's kind of what i'm thinking but i i see the play and i like the play it's like they're trying to say okay if you're a reg here, you get not only do you become like more known because you're going to be at the top of these leaderboards and people are going to follow these leaderboards. But on top, we're going to throw you some cash. Uh, you know, it also like second place is 50,000 and third place is uh, 25K. So it's not like you get nothing if you don't win. Yeah. Um, so they are they are throwing out 175K. It's not like 100K only. But, you know, that'll be unfair for me to say. Yeah, I, I'm, um, I'm with you in the sense that I think there's a better way of doing this. Um... I agree. So basically, I have two thoughts. Number one, I think the reason why you keep it small is because the expectation is that only the regulars have a shot to win this. Uh, mm. And it's a nice thank you to them for supporting the tour. But they also have the highest EV in this tour. So they're playing for selfish okay. reasons to begin with, right? Um, it's just almost impossible that an outsider has a real crack at, at breaking the top three 
in something like this, right? So really you're just incentivizing your grinders and giving them a kickback, which 100% rake back roughly is a, a pretty nice thank you in that instance. Uh, that said, I think you could change the structure in such a way where you could add a lot more money and incentivize uh, the chance for outsiders to have a crack at it. So what I personally would do uh, if if I were in charge of something like this is instead of giving away, assuming that I had the budget, obviously, but if we had the ability to give away a million um, instead of 175K, what I would do is I would structure it such that the leaderboard plays a final event. That way you get one more piece of content out of it so you don't get nothing and it's not just so the top nine play like a single or something top nine top 20 i don't care how you do it right um and what you can do is you can weight it favorably for the point system right so uh you can distribute chip stacks according to um where people are ranking on mm. the on the leaderboard and you can just like handicap it where if you finish one, you have a pretty big edge and you're just going to finish top three more often. If you finish nine, uh, you're, right. you're up against it. Uh, and then lastly, if you really want to try to give uh, the option to, you know, a, a businessman of sorts to have a crack at this, you can let them up to double the field. Maybe it's invite only. I don't know. Um, but then they pay some sort of matching buy-in, right? So say poker goes putting up a million in the prize pool for a nine-handed sit-and-go. Maybe you make it an 18-person uh, sit-and-go, and each of the remaining nine could put up 100K or 125K or whatever. Uh, this slightly dilutes everybody's... Mm, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it actually increases everybody's EV. Yeah, I think it would actually increase the EV of the, the nine because they're getting a somewhat softer field and that remaining 900 or million dollars that's being added by the or funded by the uh so it's like a nine players. type of thing yeah yeah right yeah the difference is, is that like you actually have to qualify through points rather than just having one one event or are you referring to the wsop version yeah 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 um yeah i understand what you're saying though i think that that's open <laughs> It's weird because like that event's open to a lot of people. Um, you just have to finish in like the top 300 or something, or maybe the top 100, and then you can just buy in directly. What do we think about this? Uh, we only saw one super high roller bowl, right? Um, mm -hmm. On the list, yep. which is eventful because they had like four, like last time, right? They were, they had like the one in Vegas. Uh, there was one in China. There was one in another place that I remember, like Darren Elias bridging, and I yeah, was like, it was in uh, wow. France, maybe or uh, London, London, I think. Yeah, and then maybe there was one in, I believe, South Africa. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so that was four. Um, now we're back potentially down to one. Um, is this uh, a lure play? Is there not a market for these? Um, what, what what are we what are we thinking? I feel like. They want to bring back the allure of the super high roller bowl where it was like having four of them you know it's like the us dollar bro like you can't just keep printing these things out like you're just gonna like sure. crush it it sure. doesn't add the value right so maybe they want to just say okay there's one it's in las vegas it's in september you know what time it is you gotta play it if you know good luck you gotta win the lottery all this stuff yeah. you know um yeah that's possible. a big deal right 
Yeah, that's possible. I think the other three that you're referencing were also married to another uh, partnership in some some regards. So I, I feel like one or two of them were in coordination with Triton and one may have been in coordination with like the APT. Uh, I, I honestly don't recall completely, so I could be getting my facts twisted. I feel a like it was bit. a party poker thing uh, on one no. of them, but I'm not sure. You think it was a party poker I'm thing? Not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not uh, sure either. Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel... It was party poker. They never really had like that kind of relationship. No, I didn't think so either. I thought it was like APT and Triton <laughs> uh, specifically. But in any event, I think that it was just a, a branding play where they were trying to leverage partnerships and see what kind of uh turnouts they could get but i know the one in london specifically failed i think they got 12 people for it um and yeah that's just that's, not that's not really a good look for your marquee event so you think they're trying to maybe <clears throat> just bring back the allure it feels like they are it yeah. feels like especially with this tour um bringing back this like big tournament which was like when it first came out you know it was it was such a big deal man i remember like it was everybody stopped like, you know, if you were a pro, you were watching this because it was the best players with a huge, huge buy-in. It wasn't this, like, one drop where you're expecting all the wrecks. You know, it was more like this, like, it's going to be tough. Yeah, there's going to be some wrecks, but they're not going to be, you know, it's gonna, the wreck's going to be like Red Raider. Who's yeah. like, he's a wreck, but he's good. Yeah. Like, it's like, you know, there's going to be some players that are kind of good. Um. So maybe they brought the allure back. I'm I'm curious, man. I I, I feel like we're we're heading into this really interesting point in poker where nobody cares about money anymore. Like the stakes are big. Tom Dwan is back. Mm -hmm. Like 50 100s running at Bellagio. Literally every, every day. day. Yeah. Seven days a week. What's happening, man? Are we back? Are we back? People are getting sponsored? Like, what the hell's going on? um yeah i mean it's it's a market you have an agent? it's a it's, it's it's a market i mean the thing is is that like there's just an influx of liquidity right now you know like poker in general was kind of sharp on the uptick with crypto so a lot of people were early adopters and did really well um also i think that you know tournament buy-ins haven't really adjusted according to inflation so you know, for WPT main events to be 3,500s, uh, that every man can afford that, right? Well, what happened though? Because like they came down. Yeah. They yeah. Came down, right? Which was smart. I, yeah, I think it was smart. I think that 10K was pricing people out for far, far, far too long. And now I think it's getting back to a point where like 10K is probably uh, a feasible top end buy in for uh, these events. I mean, like we said, we saw Five Diamond just blow out every year. Uh, the wind yeah. and the Venetian both just ran a 5K that had massive fields. So like those barriers aren't what they used to be. But I think it's smart to have inclusive buy-ins rather than exclusive. That's what we have the high roller scene for. Who do we who do we think is like gonna take the first chance at the 10Ks though? Like, is it gonna be Florida? Is it gonna be Borgata? Is it like like someone's gonna wanna bring the 10K back and say, like, okay, yeah. come here. Um well, we're gonna try to make this like a premier stop. I think it can't be I, I Vegas. So, it, so here's here's the thing. LA routinely does it with LAPC. Um, this year they right, were right. off. And well, I'm saying like not not the original, right? Like not not yeah, yeah, LAPC, right? right. Not it, LAPC and not Five Diamond, right. right? So it has to be those two are established. Those two are established right. and do really well. 
right. Vegas has tried to implement other 10Ks. They have the Bobby Baldwin Classic in May, which I don't know if that's going to run again this year. Um, and I heard grumblings that they may bring back Festo, Festivi, whatever, or the Doyle yeah, Bunsen yeah. Classic. I don't know, man. Like they used to have four, there used to be four WPT 10K buy-ins a year, all in Vegas. And they just like slowly disappeared. And the WPT championship used to be a 25K. But I think that that's also been reduced. It's either a 10 or 15K now, if I'm not. And that was 15K when it was at Borgata when you came. Mm. That was the last time I remember it. You okay. cashed it. That was the last. Well, that's because that was the last time it was open. Ever since yeah. then, it's been closed to Tournament of Champions. So maybe it's yeah. a maybe it's a 10K now. Um, anyway, the whole point that I'm trying to get at is it has to be a major market that can't be Vegas because the reason why Five Diamond is so successful is that it's the end of the year. It's at a time when people are frequenting Vegas anyway. People are looking for the tax write-offs. Everybody just fires, right? But if you hold that exact same event in, say, May, like they do with the Bobby Baldwin Classic at Aria, it just does nothing. You know, it, I think it averages like 105 people or something like that. And it's just, right. it's not marquee enough. Um, there aren't enough people in Vegas at that time. It's also like really poor timing in the sense that everybody's gearing up for the World Series and they don't want to play a tough 10K a week or two prior to firing right. off 100K worth of buy-ins. The uh, Colossus. Like, I don't want to yeah. play that right before the Colossus. Like, right. How am I going to get even? I got to win the Colossus. Right. Like. Right. So like Venetian has kind of positioned themselves to maybe take a shot at bigger buy-ins. They do really well with the 5K range, but I think 10K is probably still outpricing their clientele. Um, people just aren't necessarily going to travel for something like that. But when you have it at Bergata or Hard Rock, Florida, or if you added one, I guess, at Commerce or Bike, uh, just because they're pulling from such massive, massive markets. I actually heard rumors that WPT is coming to Texas. One of those card rooms, I'm not sure which one, but there's rumors that one of them has the capacity to host the WPT and that there's talks. Listen, WPT, if you want to have some conversations, we might be able to put you in touch with some people. Let us know what you have in mind. and then. You know, I just I don't know. know. Yeah, I mean, Texas could handle a 10K. Texas... Like, especially Dallas uh, being a new market, if, um, you know, if they have the capacity to actually host. Th th that's the big issue, though, right? Is that... Uh, is that the room has to be able to host a thousand runners. Yeah, and also you have to, like, sure up security. I mean, there's no licenses or anything like that. Like, I don't know how legally they're operating. Maybe, like, Choctaw would be the play. It's close to Dallas. Uh, well, it's Choctaw actually out of the city, right? Maybe I'm not sure if they had. Yeah, w yeah, I think yeah, they had deep stacks. Sure. No, 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 no. They had a, a real WPT. Okay, just the sure. 3500. Yeah, yeah. I imagine it did well. No, it does really well. Yeah, it that's what I mean. Like well. you just have to find one of those major markets, right? Like, uh, I think it's a big miss to try Vegas, even though it's a poker hub. It's not centrally located to enough big markets. People from the East Coast don't want to come here. Um, I think it's a mistake to like lean on Montreal or Niagara Falls. It's too much of a hassle crossing the border, converting money, and also it really only draws from New York, and they have better options. I think that like you know, Florida and Bergada are the two prime spots. Florida being better than Bergada just because of travel. Um, it's, so you think maybe they bring it back for the August series, which is usually their bigger one, right? They, they, usually the August one is the that's one not that WPT though. That's the big four that they partner right. with uh, Poker Night in America on. Yeah, yeah. That's usually when they bring out their 5K and their 25K. Yep. But they already like, kind of bring... like The thing is, like 
The thing is, they don't have any incentive. They're just destroying record numbers at the 3,500 level. Yeah. So it's like, what would you rather have? A 10K with 500 people or 3,500 with 2,000, 3,000? Talking about tournaments in Texas, I see that you have a, a new thing going on where like you're... you're 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 on a roster that's like sponsoring tournaments in texas and you're like moving to texas you're moving to austin or something i'm not moving anywhere uh going like, going to florida to like first tech capital you're you're moving you're moving to austin i'm moving to miami you know it's, it's we're moving we're, the, we're tech babies now baby we're tech babies yeah i'm gonna stay here uh and enjoy myself as i have been but uh i am going to houston after this florida trip um joining the above the felt team me darren elias chris moneymaker and tom will all be there uh it's for i think it's champions club uh or champions social maybe is the the full name of the room um and they're hosting the lone star series which is a million guaranteed main event should be fucking huge uh, i think there's three day ones so i just expect it to be massive um because everything in texas is bigger and uh yeah i'm gonna be there for three days the 29th to the first gonna host some cash games on my off time uh when i'm not playing the event and then maybe hit up austin afterwards i'm not sure uh it's gonna be a long time on the road so i'm not positive that that i'm gonna extend the trip but i do like austin they got some nice mamacitas in austin man i'm in there and they they are yeah i gotta say so you're coming <laughs> I didn't say all that. I'm saying they got some nice. I mean, they got nice mamacitas everywhere. We're, I'm not discriminating. Puerto Rico's nice. Mexico's really nice. Um, yeah, it's all great. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Anyway, so what? What is the what is the buy-in for your tournament? Uh, it's a weird buy-in. I think it's like thirteen hundred dollars or something. Thirteen fifty maybe. It's something between that eleven and fifteen hundred range. Always, always when the, the when the buyers are weird, guys. I gotta, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna teach you guys a little sign, sign, you know, because you know he's working for the team. I'm here to look out for the people, right? When the buyers are a little shady, like 1350, you start looking at the fine print. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. Start looking at the fine print. You know, who's getting that extra fit? You know, who's it, getting, it might be like a 1200 plus 150. That that probably know. seems I'm right. Just, I'm just messing around, guys. But no, seriously, look at the fine print. Anyway, so. Poker Out Loud. For those of you that haven't watched Poker Out Loud, if you haven't watched, if you're watching this and you haven't watched Poker Out Loud, I don't know where you guys been, but I'm going to show you guys a clip of it. Um, it's a little bit of a highlight reel. A larger gap than we have ever seen in the past between pros and amateurs, and we have five people in a lineup who regularly play 50, 100, or larger. I think this is one of the only spots in poker you can profitably cold call some three bets. Yeah, this is pretty new. I haven't really seen Jim and I do this, and we've played a lot together. Does Landon ever put in money as a bluff? No. Okay, got it, thank you. We're gonna get to see them have their feet put to the fire, right? And we don't necessarily know or can't anticipate how you react when you don't have an answer. Again, we're in a spot where we are quite high up, but it's also super weird for Jeremiah to have a bluff here. I like how Landon throws his money into the pot. Like, he thinks that I have such the utmost respect to him that I'm not gonna raise his ass. And he thinks I'm a fucking psychopath. Like, this is a very clear jam versus anyone, and especially versus Matt. Oh, I must be winning. <laughs> All right. So for those of you that haven't watched Poker Out Loud, that is the latest edition of Poker Out Loud. That was the pro edition. We also have the vlogger edition, which you can find on YouTube, which just concluded its final episode, I believe, yesterday or the day before? Yesterday. Uh, uh, and yeah, Tuesday. You're right. 
I saw some crazy four bed bluff by Trevor there, by Trevor, and I was like, whoa, what just happened? I was like half asleep, and I was just like, and then I'm gonna four bed bluff Queen Eight suited, and I'm like, whoa, 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 and I woke up, and I was like, what is happening? And it worked. Mm -hmm. Got it. If you would have done it, Berkey, you would have been the worst reg in all of the high stakes. You know, the way it It's because nobody's folding King Queen versus me, nor should they. Um, I have a story about King Queen after this. Mm. We're gonna talk about it. Okay. Um, but yes, if you haven't subscribed uh, to the Solve for Y TV for that, you should. Freaking, those are really good players, man. You have Jeremiah who plays 5,100 plus, Landon who plays between, you know, 1 2 no limit and 5,100 plus. And it depends if it's Tuesday or Saturday. Uh, and Berkey who plays 5,100 every day now at Bellagio and et cetera. Uh, and Lynn who plays, you know, between 1 2 big O. Uh, online and 50 100 no limit hold'em at Bellagio and Chris who I'm very proud of and has gone from 2-5 at the win up to 10-20 Bellagio you know uh, pretty exciting stuff you know it's in there, it's in yeah, there. we in also there. Uh, we also have an on second thought coming out it's supposed to release Monday but it's actually going to get pushed back a little bit because of travel and stuff uh, I have to work on the recording so it's going to come out next Wednesday instead just a little update for everybody on the schedule okay so when is the next poker out loud everybody's asking every day is that, it's I still get it's still going we're only on ep5 people want to know people want to know when is the next one when what's the new lineup they want to know if we're bringing on i get the same questions every day are we bringing on recreational no are are we when is the next lineup are we going to do a tournament one no and um it, it I don't know. Like, here are the whatever. things. Here are the things we're restricted by. We can only do six max because of filming. Uh, it's just too complex to do nine handed, and honestly, it's bad for the product. It's just too slow. Having nine people exhaust their thought only to fold. Number two, the show is built off the commentary of the players. Therefore, recreationals are rendered useless to us. I don't know if you've ever heard somebody who doesn't know anything about a subject try to talk about said subject, but they don't say anything worth listening to. And unfortunately, that's the case of the weaker players in your game. I understand the desire for people to want to know like what's going on inside the head of losing players, but the answer is nothing, literally nothing. Like you don't need to study losing players. You'll beat them inherently by the fact that they're losing players. Weaker, you know, losing recreationals or whatever, anybody who's making the game good to play in they aren't thinking about stuff. There, there's nothing for you to learn from the way that they talk about the game other than where they're psychologically weak or where their patterns uh, may formulate from. But hearing a guy like look at a hand and say, well, it looks good, so I'm going to play it, or it's suited, or something nonsensical doesn't help anybody. So it's just like I get the desire to want to see this type of stuff, but like and to his credit, he took it completely in stride and was amazing by my vantage point. But like Rampage got shredded in our comments for not being studious enough and not speaking intelligently enough about the game. And he was just openly admitting like he didn't know what to do in most spots. And people were turned off by that. Well, it's like he actually plays somewhat professionally. You want somebody who knows even less? Yeah, he won a bracelet. Yeah. So it's like, do you want somebody who's less studied? in there giving you their thoughts. It's just, 
It's one of those things that I know we're going to get asked until the end of time when we're going to do it, but the answer is just never. It's a bad product. And the second that we do it, everybody's going to be mad at us for doing it because that person is not going to add any value to the show. Yeah. First of all, I, I, I commend Rampage for whatever. It's fine to say you don't know. Like, what's wrong yeah. with that? Like, let's, no, it's better than saying, like, oh, I'm going to make up this bullshit that, like, no one really understands. Like, right. and, and, like, I'm just going to try to sound smart. It's like, no, I don't really know. And a lot of times, even myself, when I've been on the show, I'm like, I don't know, but I think he's bluffing and I can't explain why. Yeah. So I'm going to do this. And that's fine. It's like some plays are like that. You can't really exhaust thought and you can't really explain it, but you're going to go with your instinct or whatever. Like it is what it is. I do think uh, we do want to do one with some coaches from other sites if they're interested. Yeah. Uh, I heard, uh, you know, Phil Goffon was, was I would love to have on. It'd be kind of cool. You know, I can't, I don't want to have somebody that's like, I want to have somebody that's good at No Limit, but not like going to make me look like a fish. Mm. Okay. Like I'm not going to bring on, you know, fucking dom and he's gonna bring a, a, a backpack with a supercomputer and then like each hand's gonna take 20 minutes because then he, and, and then it's gonna be he's gonna run some supercomputer and then limp and then i <laughs> and then i'm gonna be like okay well this limp is balanced because he ran the supercomputer sure so i'm not sure. okay let's just get phil goff on i know how he, he's gonna talk smart and he's gonna find it's gonna be cool yeah. you know so that's fine that's fine you know i do yeah. want doug Paul to play it bring his ass out from austin Anyway, shoot for so the stars, talk, baby. <laughs> yeah, whatever, bro. I mean, if some people want to play that, the you know, I'll I'll let some recreationals play it, but they got to be like you know Matt Damon or something. Like, there's got to be somebody that you know I I look up to. You know, like who can Matt at least, Damon. somebody who can at least fill the commentary with like something funny or witty or whatever. Yeah, exactly. All right, so a lot of comments on to be determined in the chat. So for those of you that don't know what To Be Determined is, it is our upcoming documentary about our friend Oscar, who is, uh, at the time, he was a one-two no-limit player uh, playing underground in New Jersey. And we were kind of following the struggle of, you know, playing one-two, low-stakes, no-limit holding for a living, and trying to move up while, like, paying your bills, while, like, trying to attempt to get better while having friends that potentially are playing higher stakes than you and like trying to catch up and all this stuff and like that whole grind and a lot of people especially in new jersey are asking when this thing is coming you know and i'm getting the text messages every day like tell freaking your friends when is this coming up when is it coming out so Wait, it's, I need, it's I need done yeah, it's done. Uh, the soft release date is May seventeenth. Uh, we're we're just we're coordinating with PokerGo because we're uh, simultaneously launching it at the same time. So it'll be on the PokerGo platform. It'll be on Software YTV. Um, the tentative dates are May seventeenth, but that's still subject to change. Basically, we just want to make sure that we get the proper marketing channels uh, fulfilled and you know cranked out before we go full steam ahead. All right, talking about King Queen. There was one hand, soon as uh, I will give a little, very small spoiler of some of the stuff that happens, you know, give you guys a little bit of a, of a preview preview. There was one hand, as soon as our friend Oscar got the, the preview, I got a text message from Oscar. He's like, there's no way that if you open King Queen off and someone three bets you that you're folding. There's no way. And I'm like, there are formations where that's an easy fold. 
And he's like, okay. First of all, this is how, this is how he tries to trick me, right? He doesn't even tell me the hand was in the, in the movie, right? Okay. He just says, okay, so you have King Queen off, right? And this guy three bets you. What do you do? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, mostly fold in those in that position, but sometimes four bet. And he's like, okay, whatever. So you call. And then the flop's nine four three. You check and he bets half pop. What do you do? I'm like, fold, fold. again. Yeah. Like, okay, so you call. <laughs> Is that the worst play ever? Because that's what you said about me in the documentary. And I'm like, I'm like, bro, it's bad. Like it's yeah. really bad. And I'm like, he's like, you said it's the worst play you've ever seen me make. I'm like, I'm like, Oscar, I've known you like my whole life. I've never seen you peel a three bet with King Queen off ever. Like you're so tight. Like, I mean, to be fair, to be fair to Oscar, like he was forced out of his comfort zone. We were trying to get yeah. him to do things that are strategically good but uncomfortable to him, and that is finding the proper amount of floats when you are. Uh, you know, in position, or even if you're out of position and you're defending the big blind, whatever the case may be, you, you can't just only call with draws and pairs, right? That's just not the yeah. way this game works. But the issue is that, you know, a lot of that footage was pulled from his first experience doing it on day one of the academy. And we hadn't really gone through range construction yet. We hadn't really broken down uh, the attributes of a hand that allow it to peel, right? So for him, he just recognizes like King Queen High is a pretty good hand when it makes pairs, and he chose to take one off with it. And that to us, who are very studied, especially on a board texture like that, recognize like it's just bad because we're calling a lot on that board already because we have so many pairs and draws. Uh, I mean, maybe not in a three bet spot, um, but also just like particularly in three bet pots, you don't want to be peeling with hands that are dominated by their quote unquote bluffs, right? You don't want. Right. But Berkey, you hurt me in my arguments. You know why? Why? Because he's like, would Berkey ever fold King Queen off to a three bet? I've seen him play on TV. He ain't folding no King Queen off to a three bet. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm also just like not trying to punt that post. Like it's a, that, that would be a simple fold to me on the flop. And like, you know, if you have King Queen suited in some situations, you're gonna find like flop raises and, and whatever. Like. You just have to know the tree a lot deeper. And and that was kind of what we were trying to articulate to him. But you guys being friends was a problem for sure. Because there's too much emotion wrapped up in there. Like he can't hear the words coming out of your mouth because he's so emotionally tied to to your critiques. And you don't soften any blows. So like nah. you you don't you don't you hit him with like you didn't soften no blows for me when I was coming up. Yeah, like, but you suck. I never said you suck. Also oh my God. <laughs> Also, like, there's a difference between, uh, you know, uh, like, everybody's different. Not everyone's going to learn the same. And yeah. I think that it's important to challenge people who are willing to be challenged. And I think it's also important to, like, kind of handle someone with kid gloves if they're going to be triggered uh, by more emotional context. So Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, like, you guys having a longstanding relationship probably wasn't the best uh, teaching mechanism. Sometimes you gotta fold King Queen off pre. That's the that's what I got out of the whole movie. Nah, I'm not kidding. The movie is actually really good. I am excited for people to see it. May seventeenth. You heard it here first. There is an official soft date, which is more reason for you to sign up for the site. I don't know. I don't know how much more we can give you guys. We got Poker Out Loud. We have On Second Thought with a new fancy edition. You have like dynamic solvers into On Second Thought. I don't even know like how they did that. Like literally, I don't know when these production people are going to quit, but you better sign up soon because they're going to quit. 
Okay. Like, there's only so much I could we could ask of them. I don't know. I don't understand. Like, Berkey's like, I want you to fly to the, I want you to fly to the moon and back, so that we could, and then they're like, done. And then he didn't. I don't know. Next year they're gonna ask for 200k, and I'm gonna have to start a Patreon account. Mm, that's then, a good idea. And then, and then I don't know what, what we're gonna do. I like that Patreon idea. How much do you think we should charge for Patreon? I don't know how Patreon works. This is how Patreon works. So people end up like they send you like uh, donations or like support for your channel, and then you kind of give them like a little bit, like maybe an early release. Of oh, so something. it's it's only or, fans. I just show yeah, them a titty. No, 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 no. Yeah, I, I, I can show them a titty. You could, but there'll there'll be like an exclusive pod. What's Look, the, this thing just zoomed in for there. This is crazy. This, he's trying. He's crazy. trying to show him a titty. But yeah, it's kind of like you they they show you support for your channel, mm -hmm. right? And then or, or your content, and then you give a little bit of kickback, maybe like exclusive podcast, or maybe like a Q and A for them, or things like that. Like it's kind of pretty cool, actually. Um, there are other channels that do it all the time. And maybe I'll just have to go do that so that, that we could pay our people, um, you know, appropriately. So, so, or you can just subscribe and like, and then support us and we would be all fine and dandy. Um, anyway, do we get another podcast next week from you in Florida? Yeah, I'll have everything with me. Uh, there, there's a small chance that I come back to studio to do it. So I need to be in Houston on the 29th, which I think is next Thursday. Um, but all of the tournaments in Florida end on Tuesday. So I could fly back here Tuesday, record the podcast Wednesday, and then fly out Thursday. Or I could go straight to Houston from Florida. Haven't decided yet. We'll see. The only reason I'm even considering it is just because JetSuite X flies from Vegas to Houston now. And that's just like way, way easier. <laughs> Private jet. Look at uh, this, man. It's a hundred bucks. Must be. Remember that time? Let me tell you guys a story. I'm gonna tell you guys a story about Jet Sweet X one time. So, Bergie's like, yo, I don't really want to take all this money uh, to Cali, you know, through you know Southwest because it's a commercial airline and they might confiscate all our money, you know. And we are bringing a fair amount of money. That part is fair. That part is true, right? So he's like, yo, let's just take a private jet. And I was like, damn, you want to take a private jet? He's like, yeah, because that way we don't even need to go to TSA. Like, it's nothing. We just, like, walk in, and then they, they, they it's quick. We, we, we get there, like, 15 minutes before, right? All right, so cool. We're about to go on this jet, right? You know, Berkey takes the Maserati, you know, 20 minutes before the flight. Booking it down Las Vegas Boulevard. <laughs> pulled over right it's like why are you going so fast we're literally like we could see the jet like we could see it like it's right there it's like oh we have this flight obviously we're getting a ticket we're nowhere near the airport like they, <laughs> this police officer he's not gonna relate to us taking a jet he's gonna be like you're getting a ticket like <laughs> you're getting a fucking ticket so we get a ticket i don't even know how he much was that so slow was. about it he was such he a prick. Took, we were literally a hundred yards long. away from the from the hangar. Bro, he took extra long. Like I've never seen a ticket take that long. It was a thirty minute ticket. We get to the place, right? Obviously, we can't get on the flight anymore. Next flight is like four hours later, right? 
It's like 4x the price of the last flight, right? Southwest still has the flight going <laughs> that day. Somehow, Berkey's so rich, he convinces me to still take the next flight, 4x expensive. We go to freaking uh, and get robbed by Popsle that same day. I was down like 25k in a day. That's <laughs> like, right. It's a true story. How do we lose? We, all that day, that whole day, get pulled over, pay for the first jet, pay 4x for the second jet, then lose to Possel. Dark days, man. Dark days. You've been pulled over a lot with me. I think you've yeah. been present for at least half of my tickets. Another ticket, I'll tell you, this will be the final story. We're going from Tahoe to Vegas, flying down a freaking desert, right? There is a cop on on this side, we're on this side, right? Bergie's like, oh, they can't really pull you over from the other side because they can't see how fast you're going. Does the loopy, right? Hits them with, you're going 90-something, right? Fine, whatever. That's the first one, right? You think it ends there? No. Next, we're going, right? Does the loopy again. Another one. This guy was crazy. He was like... Do you know how fast you're going? He's like, oh, you know, I lost count. You know, I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm trying to get back to Vegas. You know, it's a long ride. He's like, and I'm never going to forget this in the enti my entire life. He's like, you can hit a cow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking around. Ain't no cow in sight. You can We're in the there's a, first of all, there's not even grass. We're in the fucking desert. There's scorpions and snakes. Ain't no cows. It's just a straight road for like 120 miles. You could literally see like 100 miles ahead. But it's a desert. I've never seen a cow in a desert in my life. Yeah. This guy's like, you can hit a cow. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, these are the people protecting us. Like, there is no cow. There is no cow anywhere. Like, yeah. and I, we really wanted to say it. Like, we wanted to say it so bad. <laughs> We're like, there are no cows in the desert. There's there's not a cow anywhere around here. Like, but he was really serious. Now Berkey, he was he was like kind of laughing at him. And then we were just like, all right, let's get the fuck out of here. So anyway, those are my tickets with Berkey. There's probably more, but I don't remember them. But those are the most memorable ones. Yeah, those two happened within 30 minutes of each other. That was that was very unlucky. I don't know how you still have a license, man. You have, you must have a good ass lawyer because yeah, they all get they all get reduced to parking tickets. Must be nice. Just pay an extra uh, 50 bucks. It's worth it. You have like a special app or something on your phone where... Craig Kenny, you know baby. Was an there was no. an app for that. I didn't know there was an app. But there's a lawyer yeah, office in Vegas that takes care of it. I got banned or something. I don't know. Mm. But yeah, I've been in some I've been in some spots, man. I've been in some... <laughs> I've been in some wild stuff, man. Like, <laughs> some people, you know, they had a bunch of... They bought a bunch of stuff here. You know, the cop comes in. You know, they hit him with the whoop. And then, you know... And then the, the cop comes and they're like, yeah, everything's fine, you know, just trying to get home. But there's a lot of merchandise over here, you know, that's all I'm going to say. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed the show. And uh, with that said, we're out of here. Thank you, Perky. See you guys.